Well, good morning. How about you turn around and say hello to the folks around you. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Give them your name. Tell them where you're from. Tell them welcome from Homa or from New York or wherever you're from. It has been an action-packed weekend. It has been a blessed weekend. Go with me to page 15 in the bulletin. Page 15 in the bulletin. Can I share with you a little bit about my morning yesterday morning? Page 15 in the bulletin. We have three new priests in our Diocese of Homo Thibodeau. We have Father Davis, Father Matthew, Father Joseph. Yes, indeed. Round of applause for them. Glorious day yesterday. Father Davis is from Uganda. We have been so blessed, gosh, extraordinarily blessed with a very selective discernment of uh, the men that we, we kind of recruit from Uganda. Father Simon Peter Ingrid, our vicar general, gosh, just an awesome soul. Father Jean-Marie Nambruso, just a, a great man himself. Father Davis, Davis was a seminarian early in life and then went to become a physician he practiced medicine in Uganda as a doctor for a number of years, expressed an interest, in, and so we, we, we welcomed him into our fold. We educated him. He was actually ordained back home in Uganda because mom and dad couldn't make it here, and so we let him be ordained a priest there. He's going to be an extraordinary priest of our diocese. Yesterday, that's what's on page 15. Matthew Prospery and Joseph Laparus were ordained priests of Jesus Christ. The top of page 15, look at images number one and number two. That's that's these guys, right? These beautiful priests that we have there. That picture number one, you can see their hearts just so open to the, uh, to the message that was being preached to them. If you look at the bottom there, right? I love those images, images four and five. They're numbered for you. That's their first time behind the altar. It can be very nerve-wracking for a priest, right? First time they've ever stood behind with all the priests of the diocese there yesterday. And that was a very beautiful experience. But I was drawn to image number three. Look at image number three on page 15. That's the moment in the ritual, that's the moment in the rite where they are lying prostrate on the ground. You talk to most priests, nine out of ten of us, that's the moment we remember. The marble. When you're laying face down on the marble, it's a sign of death. It's a sign of complete surrender to God. And when you rise, that's what's happening in number two. Look at photo number two. You get off the marble, you go straight to the bishop, and he lays hands on you. That's the moment when they became a priest. Right there, photo number two. But notice what happens is he's laying on the marble in this sign of complete offering, dying to self. He rises, I'll do whatever you want. And then, boom, they make him a priest. Now, I, I wish, I'm serious about this, I wish we could do that in the marriage rite. I wish couples could lay on the marble and you leave the bachelorette or the bachelor there and then you get up and you exchange vows. But you, you can never do that, right? If I told the bride she had to lay on the dirty floor with her white dress, I'd get killed, right? You can't do that. But it's a beautiful image of complete self-offering. Beautiful moment. That's the easy part. Hard part, stay in there. Every one of us has perhaps had moments where 
at mass, outside of mass, the birth of a child, maybe it's a day of a wedding. We Maybe some of us have had moments where you have given your life to God. It's not hard to give your life to God. It's hard not taking it back. Amen? Flip the page over, page 16. Top of page 16, I've done some retreat work in my life, often with the Institute for Priestly Formation, now often here on the island. Top of page 16, quote number one. This quote comes to us with permission to share this with you. Priest was talking about the time on the marble. He says, on the day of my ordination, I gave my life to God, and I've been fighting with God ever since, trying to take it back. Amen? It's one thing to fall in love. It's a whole other thing to stay in love. Right? And so the three priests are going to come to Grand Isle. Those three priests that we just had are going to be on the island for a whole week. A week from tomorrow, next week, they're going to be on the island. And what I'm, the first thing I'm going to tell these guys is don't get off the marble. Stay there the rest of your life. The Catholic Church is healthy when priests are dead. When we live on the marble and we're just always giving our life to Jesus. It's when we get up, well, that's when you experience our humanity and that's when things don't always go expecting to plan. Amen? Give me give you an analogy. This summer, we've been talking about the art of living, right? We said, hey, if God is the chair, where are we supposed to live? We're supposed to live in the chair. One of the mantras from this summer for all of us is, right, how we live determines where we live, right? We said that Sunday after Sunday. How we live determines where we live. Say that with me again today. How we live determines where we live. One more time. How we live determines where we live. We all want to live here. Life is better here. It's this moment right here is the tension in life, right? Living here, getting here, that's awesome. It's this moment right here when we want to get up. We, we give our lives to God, but we fight with God trying to take it back. Now, sometimes we fight with God because of just the ordinary tug of war, but there's a specific moment in our life that I want to unpack today that pulls us out the chair, pulls those priests off the marble. And that, my friends, is called adversity. The second soil, not the third, but the second soil. Jesus says to us, He says, hey, I'm going to pour the Word of God in your heart. That's the seed. Then He says, a lot of us don't kind of Register all this, right? Let's just unpack it together. He says, Some fell on rocky ground where it had little soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep. When the sun rose, it was scorched and it withered for lack of roots. What's that mean? That means sometimes we face adversity in life. And when we face adversity, our commitment to God is challenged. Amen? Okay, now, do a little teaching here today. Help you appreciate this. St. Ignatius of Loyola, one of the masters of the spiritual life in the late 15th century, early 16th century, gave us the spiritual exercises, right? And in the spiritual exercises, he gives us rules. What's a ruler do? A ruler keeps you straight. That's what a ruler does. What's a rule do? It keeps you straight. Now, in the United States of America, we hear the word rule, and we automatically think what we can't do. But 
in the biblical sense of the word, in the more traditional sense of the word, if we fly out of a, a limited American vocabulary, if we look at the word rule, right, in its etymology and what it really means, it means to keep us straight. So Ignatius of Loyola, he gives us these rules, these rulers. How do we stay straight in the spiritual life? And he says, look at page 16, right, number 2. He says, I'm going to give you some rules, right, for becoming aware to some extent the different movements caused in the soul, the good to receive them, the bad to reject them. This is what Ignatius is saying. Everybody look at me right here. When you're here, you've got to know what's happening here. Ignatius says, I'm going to give you some rules, for becoming aware, to some extent, the different movements caused in the soul. Stuff happens here. Stuff happens here. In us, in life, we have different movements. Thoughts, feelings, desires. Ignatius says, you want to stay here? You got to know what's cooking here. I'm going to give you some rules. He says the first rule, number three, bottom of page 16. Look at this with me. He says, all right, you're either moving away from God or toward God. You're never standing still in life. Just trust that. You're never standing still in the spiritual life. If you're standing still in the spiritual life, you're backsliding and you just don't know it. In the spiritual life, he says, there are going to be two types of people. He says in the first rule, he says... This is a person who is moving away from God. Here's an example. Fictitious example. Completely fictitious. You know anybody like this. It's completely fictitious. This is a person who grew up going to Catholic school or was very involved in the Catholic church or whatever Christian church they went to when they were a teenager. They go to college. And they kind of fall off the moral cliff. And they're, they're moving away from God. Ignatius says, common sense, if you're moving in this direction, God is going to act a certain way and temptation is going to act a certain way. If you're moving away from God, what do you think God wants to do? Stop the movement. What do you think temptation wants to do? Keep you moving away from God. So in the first rule, which is number three on the bottom of page 16, right? Ignatius says this. In a person who's moving away from God, you can expect God to do what? Sting the conscience. This is a person who used to be hot for God, who went to Grand Isle this weekend, drank too much last night, woke up this morning, and felt guilty. That's God stinging the conscience to prevent the movement from continuing away from God. The enemy wants to continue to pull that person away from God. Now, that's not most of us. Most of us are not the first rule. Flip the page over, page 17. Top of page 17 if you have a bulletin. Most of us are moving toward God. Even if we're inching our way toward God, you wouldn't be here at Mass on vacation if you weren't moving toward God. Ignatius says, there's another person. We're going to flip the movement and we're going to flip the strategies. Now what's the strategy? 
Who wants to stop the movement toward God? The enemy. Who wants to keep the movement toward God? God. So Ignatius of Loyola, 500 years ago, predicted this. If you are trying to get closer to God, expect adversity. You go on retreat, and you get off a retreat, and all of a sudden, here comes some drama. You have a good season in life where you're good and you're in the chair, and all of a sudden, the bottom falls out in your marriage or your family. No. Ignatius is predicting this. St. Ignatius of Loyola is saying, if you want to get close to God, expect two things to happen. Expect the fact that God, it's like a tug of war, is pulling on a rope and he's pulling you over here. And expect that there's another person who's pulling you away. If the spiritual life is real, and there's someone on the end of grace, guess what, y'all? There's somebody on the end of evil. I've never seen a sparkle beetle catch a fish without a fisherman. There's always somebody throwing out the lure. And Ignatius of Loyola, he says to you today, Jesus Christ, he says to you today, if you want to live there, Get ready for adversity. Give me a couple examples. Look at the middle of page 17. Let's talk about the enemy. Page 17. Alabama football. <laughs> Clearly the enemy, amen? Was anybody surprised last year that the game was a, a fight? No. Every football game has two starts. The team comes out the locker room all excited, and they come out there and they punch the other team in the face. Then what happens is a good football team punches you back. And now the game starts. How does one team handle adversity when, when the other team punches you back? Are you ready? Were you surprised that happened? Was anybody surprised when we were up by three points and Alabama had the ball last and they had the closing set? Was anybody surprised that they went down the field and scored the field goal? That majestic Bryce Young kind of scramble out of like 18 people trying to tackle him and he put him in position to kick the field goal to take us to overtime. You were surprised by that? Thank God LSU wasn't. And Alabama got the, the, the ball first in overtime. What did they do? They scored a touchdown. Not because LSU was coached well, they were ready for it. Adversity came. What did we do? Well, because God likes LSU more than Alabama, <laughs> clearly. Saban, Satan, just saying. I, almost, I just said what you were thinking, so don't be ooh me, all right? Call you all out in a heartbeat right now. Lying in church like that, right? <laughs> right, so we, we came back, we were ready for it. 
Look at number four, the bottom of page 17, if you've got a bulletin. You want to go catch trout, you wake up and your flag looks like that. <laughs> right? You wake up, and the first thing I look at every morning is the flag. If the flag is rocking and you don't have live bait, stay home. They can't see your bait. The, mud, the water's muddy. So let's say you get in a boat yesterday, today. You get in a boat and you go, image number five, the bottom of page 17, and you go to your first fishing spot and you see white caps. And you don't have live bait. What do you do? You go to another spot. Okay, so you, you know this with fishing. You know this with football. Why are you surprised? Why am I surprised? Why are we surprised when adversity hits us? It astounds me every time I look back on my life and I say, oh, it was hard. And I wasn't ready. I'm just telling you this. If you make a commitment at some point in your life to try to live here, you should be ready for adversity. What's your response going to be? And, and if, if Jesus, if the enemy can't tempt us with our sin, most often the adversity will come in those closest to us. Because once we're thrown off emotionally, then we're vulnerable to temptation. So the enemy knows that he's going to come, he's going to hit you in your marriage. Adversity pops up. Are you ready for it? Your kids start smoking pot. They get kicked out of school. They start struggling. You ready for it? Your parents, their health goes south. You have to care for your parents. Somebody in your family gets sick. Are you ready for it? You go to work, and all of a sudden, everybody at work seems possessed that day, and it's hard. Are you ready for it? See, what happens is this. If we're there, somebody is going to try to pull us out, and it's going to come with adversity. It's a part of life. The question is, how do you respond to it? Three words. I need help. Because you see, I can't always beat the enemy, but he already has. Amen? I can't always recognize what's going on in my life because I'm just a simple human. He does. So when adversity hits your life, stop, drop, and roll. Say those words with me. Stop, drop, and roll. One more time. Stop, drop, and roll. That's what you did when you were a kid. You learned that when you were in school, right? When here comes a fire, stop, drop, and roll. When adversity hits your life, stop, drop, and roll. Stop what you're doing. When you're aggravated and angry and thrown off, stop and look at him and say, I need help. Say that with me. I need help. One more time. I need help. Ooh, that's music to his ears. When you say, I need help, he says, I'm coming. He's not afraid of adversity. He's not afraid of anything. And he's right there on our hip. And all we need to do is say, I need help. Stop what you're doing. Stop, drop, drop what you're doing. Look at him, right? And then go where he wants you to go, right? To roll with him, right? Stop, drop, and roll. Like, if we just look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I need help. Those are three words that can change your life. 
if we're going to live here. If we're going to live in the marble, you might say, right? So here, here's my prayer today. I'm, I'm just going to stand behind the altar today. I'm going to offer Mass today for those three new priests. I'm going to just say, offer Mass to them today that they just live on the marble, never get up. And when the first adversity hits them, that they are ready for it in Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm going to offer Mass today for you. Because some of us are walking in today and you are in the middle of a storm. If, if that's you, I need help, Jesus. I'm going to stand behind this altar with you and just pray for you. How about maybe just the rest of Mass? You just look at him and say, Jesus, I need help. If that's where you are in life. Or maybe you know somebody who's going through a tough patch. And maybe you could just sit and pray for them. But adversity is a part of life. And it's definitely an expected part of the spiritual life. Let's not be surprised. When adversity comes, let's look at the Lord and say, I need help. Amen?